Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba, and Joash did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada got for him two wives, and he had sons and daughters. After this, Joash decided to restore the house of Yahweh, and he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that you act quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly. So the king summoned Jehoiada the chief and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and Jerusalem the tax levied by Moses, the servant of Yahweh, and the congregation of Israel for the tent of testimony? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also used all the dedicated things of the house of Yahweh for the Baals. So the king commanded, and they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of Yahweh. And proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for Yahweh the tax that Moses, the servant of God, laid on Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought their tax and dropped it into the chest until they had finished. And whenever the chest was brought to the king's officers by the Levites, when they saw that there was much money in it, the king's secretary and the officer of the chief priest would come and empty the chest and take it and return it to its place. Thus they did day after day and collected money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who had charge of the work of the house of Yahweh. And they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of Yahweh, and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of Yahweh. So those who were engaged in the work labored, and the repairing went forward in their hands, and they restored the house of God to its proper condition, and strengthened it. And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, and with it were made utensils for the house of Yahweh, both for the service and for the burnt offerings, and dishes for incense and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of Yahweh regularly all the days of Jehoiada. But Jehoiada grew old and full of days, and died. He was a hundred thirty years old at his death. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel and toward God in his house. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to them, and they abandoned the house of Yahweh, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to Yahweh. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. Then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah the son of Jehoiada the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you break the commandments of Yahweh so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken Yahweh, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him, and by command of the king they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of Yahweh. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada Zechariah's father had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May Yahweh see and avenge. At the end of the year, the army of the Syrians came up against Joash. They came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. 
Though the army of the Syrians had come with few men, Yahweh delivered into their hand a very great army, because Judah had forsaken Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Thus they executed judgment on Joash. When they had departed from him, leaving him severely wounded, his servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest, and killed him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David. But they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Those who conspired against him were Zabad the son of Shemith, the Ammonite, and Jehozabad the son of Shimrith, the Moabite. Accounts of his sons and of the many oracles against him and of the rebuilding of the house of God are written in the story of the book of the kings. And Amaziah his son reigned in his place. This is the word of the Lord. So as I mentioned yesterday, Joash takes over being king just seven years old. He was one year old when his father was killed and his, uh, his grandmother went about killing all the rest of the, the possible threats to her throne, as she thought it was. But his older sister, Jehoshabeth, hid him in the temple for six years. So Jehoiada the priest has set him up to be king, and that's where we pick up now. He reigned for 40 years, so roughly 835 to 796 B.C. in the city of Jerusalem as king over the people. He is described at first as doing what is right in the eyes of Yahweh all the days of Jehoiada the priest. So that would make him Judah's third good king, together with Asa and Jehoshaphat. We've also had three bad kings and then Abijah. But by the end of Joash's life, I mean, it's almost like the, the chronicler would flip-flop here and go the opposite direction. He never quite says it, though. Jehoiada got for him two wives, and he had sons and daughters. So Joash, growing up as a young man, listening to Jehoiada the priest, and because he's listening to the priest, serving Yahweh. So we have a faithful priest and it's his faithfulness that's rubbing off on this young king. So Joash decides to restore the temple, the house of God. This is a good thing. It's a bad thing that it's gone into disrepair. And so he seeks to restore it. He commands the Levites to do it at first, to gather money from all of Judah that they would use to restore the temple. And they don't. They did not act quickly. So then he goes to Jehoiada, the priest, chief priest, and asks why it has not been done. Why has the house not been cared for? And he mentions the tax that was levied by Moses. This would seem to be a reference to Exodus chapter 30, verses 12 to 16, and then chapter 38, verses 25 and 26, where it's collected. It's a half shekel uh, per man of Israel for the purpose of the sanctuary. It's not really written as a law, as a, like this must be done every year or this must be done every decade or anything of that nature. It was a, a one-time thing, it would appear, that Moses had applied, and so Joash, Joash is re-upping that. It's time for another. And we're not told much about what the amount is here. In fact, we're not told anything about what the amount is here in Second Chronicles 24, only that the tax was had and the people fulfilled it, generously even. Now we, we are told in verse 7 that Athaliah and her sons had raided the house of God. 
And they had used all the dedicated things of God in their worship of Baal. So the, the various vessels and utensils and things that are supposed to be used for the sacrifices of Yahweh, for the trimming of the lamps, etc., were used instead for worshiping a pagan god. So these things are no longer holy. They should no longer be used in the house of Yahweh. And so those are going to get replaced in this process as well. So at Joash's command, they made a chest, put it outside the temple, and the people of Judah were told, and they brought money, and they filled the chest. And whenever the chest was full, it was brought before the king, his secretary, and the officer of the chief priest, so Jehoiada's officer, would then empty the chest, the chest would be put back, it would get filled up again, and so forth every day, until, well, until the work was done. Uh, Jehoiada and the king then give the work into the hands of those who are tasked with upkeep of the Lord's house. They hire additional masons and carpenters who can work it and metal workers who can work it, and they go about making the repairs, just the general repairs on the home. If you've ever owned a home, you know it needs repair all the time, constantly. It's always something that's asking to be done on a house, and so it is with this house too, with the house of God. And so they work to repair it. And when they're done, they have plenty of money left over, and they use that money to then make, again, those utensils and dishes and things that would be used in the service of Yahweh for his sacrifices for, um, again, like the lampstand and the care of the things in the house as well. And for all the days of Jehoiada, they regularly offered the burnt offerings at the temple that were mandated under Old Testament law. So they... As long as Jehoiada lived, the people of God were acting faithfully. So this is good, at least during his life. This is good. You could have a family conversation not just about the temple here, but about the the house of God as in the church today and what work you know goes into the upkeep of your church that your family attends. It might be a good conversation and an opportunity to reflect on ways that you might yourselves as a family be able to help serve. But, verse 15, Jehoiada grew old and full of days and died. 130 years old. That is beyond the, the normal lifespan of a man. The Lord in Genesis 6 prescribes, sets a cap, a limit of 120 years, and you see the lifespans that were much greater than that at first slowly dwindle afterwards. And really by the end of Genesis, you've gotten to the point where we don't have those men living more than 120 years anymore. So Jehoiada is a real, real true exception to that, living just beyond it. They bury him in Jerusalem among the kings. Even some of the kings haven't been buried with the other kings. But so well respected was Jehoiada among the people for what he has done in Israel toward God and the temple. This might be a good spot as a family to also discuss the value of a good counselor. And by that I don't necessarily mean like hiring a counselor, a therapist kind of a situation. But those who advise you, those who counsel you in life. We have seen this time and time again here in the book of Chronicles with these various kings, that they're often only as good as those who advise them. Rehoboam and the young men that he listened to in his court that cost him most of the kingdom. 
We have a good example here with Joash. As long as he was listening to Jehoiada, he acted well. We have Ahaziah before this, who took the counsel of, of wicked people and was thus a wicked king. So it's common. And now Joash is actually going to end up going the opposite way after the death of Jehoiada because the replacement advisors that he has, they are not good. And that's the next section. The king ends up listening to the princes of Judah. So these are ruling men. They're, they're chief men among the people. And instead of pointing to God, instead of seeking to advise the king in manners of Yahweh, walking the ways of the Lord, they teach him to serve false gods, idols, pagan gods. And that's exactly what he'll end up doing. And so for this, wrath falls on Judah and Jerusalem. God sends prophets to bring them back, but they refuse to hear the prophets. So not good, not a good turn of events for Joash, and it gets worse in the next section. The Spirit of God then raises up Zechariah to be his prophet. So he's the son of Jehoiada the priest, whom Joash, I mean, Joash really owes his life to. This is Joash's nephew because Joash his sister is the mom, uh, the wife of Jehoiada. And Zechariah prophesies against Judah that they are not prospering anymore because they have forsaken Yahweh and he has forsaken them. This is Second Chronicles 15 verse 2. This is what was, was warned to King Asa that as, as the people would abandon Yahweh, Yahweh would abandon them. And so he was called to be faithful. So Zechariah is simply pointing that out to Joash. And at Joash's command, the people stone Zechariah to death. So we're told he forgot the kindness of Jehoiada, Zechariah's father. So Jehoiada had given him his wives. So he, his family, Jehoiada, had set him on the throne of Judah. Jehoiada had been a great advisor to him, a counselor. And he responds, he repays him by killing his son. When he's dying, Zechariah, he says, May Yahweh see and avenge. There's nothing wrong with that statement, but I would encourage you to contrast it for your kids. Um, Maybe they can. Like, how does this compare to what Stephen said when he died in the book of Acts, the first Christian martyr in Acts 7? How does this compare to the dying words of Jesus? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Zechariah seeks revenge here. He seeks God's revenge against these people, against Joash. But those words go empty here. I mean, Yahweh does see, and Yahweh does avenge. He would have done it anyway but we don't get a response from the people to the words of Zechariah. So by the end of the year, God is bringing that vengeance against Joash. He brings the Syrians against them, even though they're small in number. Verse 24, Yahweh delivered to the Syrians a great army, a very great army, that of Judah, because Judah had forsaken Yahweh. So just as God had fought for them in the past and won battles for them in the past without Judah even having to fight, as it was against the armies of Moab and Ammon 
for example, and Edom a few chapters back. Now it's the opposite. Now they have the upper hand in the numbers, and yet they lose the fight because God is not fighting for them but against them. After they leave, Joash is wounded, and his own servants kill him on his deathbed. Rather than seeking to aid him and help him heal, they kill him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest. Now, the English here, not clear enough. Is this the servants that actually, are they, they actually caring about the blood of the priest that was shed? So the blood of Zechariah. And so they're killing the king because he did this. Or is this completely aloof to their care, whether they care or not, but it's a result of Zechariah being killed by Joash that God is bringing about this end to his life. The text does not specify, but either way, that is the outcome, is that Joash is killed. And he's killed not by Jews, not by Judaites, he's killed by an Ammonite and a Moabite. The very ones Jehoshaphat had defeated in battle without lifting a finger. So here were some of those who were living among the Judaites. Amaziah, his son, will reign in his place, and that's where we will pick up with chapter 25 tomorrow. Thank you.